when we pray, we're coming to our Father. He said, when you enter into your closet, closet can mean anywhere when you're by yourself. Remember when we were on that verse, I uh, said it could be like Danny on the back side of the field of our his tractor. He's just by himself. But he's not by himself. You know, every, everything, everything seems to distract you. It's hard, to, it's hard to think on one thing at one time. To me it is. All thoughts enter your mind just passing. You go, why was, I, why, did, why was I thinking on that? I didn't mean to think on that. I didn't want to. But he said, when you enter into your closet, your father sees you. Don't use vain repetitions. And our Lord, we know that he prayed in the garden three times, and he repeated himself, but that's not vain repetition. People just repeat the same thing. It's like, it's like when they say amen is a habit. That's what it is, just a habit. Just They feel just filling in space, just vain repetition. The prayers that are recorded in this book by sinners, most of them were very short. Go read Elijah's prayer in, in, Elijah, in uh, Second, First Kings 18 when he stood on Mount Carmel. It was just a few words, and the fire fell. And he knew the Lord heard him, but he prayed. We pray in our Father's name. We pray for his glory. We pray that his kingdom come and be established in the hearts of men. Lord, thy kingdom come. Lord, save my children. Set up your kingdom, your throne, your... The thought of foolishness is sin. In John, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgive us our debts. We acknowledge them. We're not like the Pharisees who stands and says, Lord, I'm not like other men. I'm, even not, I'm not even like this publican. Then he goes on to brag upon what he does or doesn't do. No active, no asking for mercy. And the publican, he beat upon him chest and he said, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. The sinner. That man went down to his house justified. In the, when our Lord lived and during those times, they had public places where you would go and bathe. And the only thing that would get dirty because you wore sandals, as be from the, wherever you took the bath to your home, would be you'd get your feet dirty. And that's why they would wash the feet cleansed the feet. And that's what our Lord was presenting when he washed the disciples' feet. That was the job of a servant. Because when we walk in this world, we come in contact with this world, and that's what needs to be cleansed. It's not just our feet. It's a spiritual thing. We do come in contact with this world, and it defiles us. It defiles everything we do, everything we think, everything we see, this world. Like he said, don't be like the heathen. Who's the heathen? The world. There's two classes of people. They're his children, and then they're the heathen. He called them heathens. They just act like a bunch of heathens. He said, don't be like the heathens are. Then he's going to say, don't, don't worry like the world does. They think, they, he said, take no thought for tomorrow. No anxious thought. But here he describes our sin as a debt. We owe a debt we cannot pay. 
I don't have anything to pay with. The Bible says we're bankrupt. Remember when we started in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those that are poor admit they're poor. Those that are poor, they know there's a debt, and they know they can't pay it. You can't add, it's like on the balance, you've got sin here. You can't place anything on this side of the scale to hope that it will balance out the other side. No. Because we are indebted to God, he demands from us both righteousness and satisfaction. And when we pray, we're, we're acknowledging it. Forgive us our debts. You know what Christ did when he died? He paid the debt. How can, how can God forgive you of your debt? He don't just, like, say it doesn't exist. Oh, it does exist. I'm going to show you in just a minute. The debt, the law demands that the debt has to be paid. Well, how can God forgive the debt if somebody else pays the debt? You're forgiven of the debt. And you don't owe the debt, but we still sin every day. In Scripture, sin is set forth in many pictures and metaphors. It's like a disease, like leprosy. It's described as bondage and slavery and imprisonment. It's, picture, it's a picture of a death of a rotting corpse. But here in our text, it's compared to a debt. As creatures, we owe a debt of obedience unto him. Adam owed a debt when he broke God's law and he disobeyed God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. It says Matthew 18, 21, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive you. Till seven times. I'm going to keep score. Peter asking him this. Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. He's not saying that's four hundred and some. He's not saying you keep up. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven, and he's here, here's how he describes it. It's likened unto a certain king who would take account of his servants. And when he begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. He owed who? The king. You imagine standing before the king. And you know that he's called you into his presence and you owe a debt of 10,000 talents of whatever it is. It's a, it's a large sum. But for as much as he had nothing to pay, it didn't matter whether the debt was big or small. He don't have anything to pay either debt. 
His Lord commanded him. Now, here's the justice. Now, watch this. The Lord, the king, commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had in payment to be made. It's like he brings Corey before the king and says, Corey, you owe this debt. Corey says, I have nothing to pay. Well, we're going to sell Corey. We're going to take Melissa, Marie, and Ben. <laughs> Some, I did that on purpose. Nobody just didn't help. They just said, let me make a fool out of us. <laughs> I'm kidding, Ben. But you see the picture? You say, even the kids? Yes, that's what he said. And payment to be made. You say, you know what we say? That's unfair, isn't it? You say, but you know what that is? That's justice. We just going to forget to that? We're going to pretend like it doesn't exist? Where did the debt come from? We, it's our fault. I can't, I can't blame somebody else for the debt. It's my debt. It's your debt. But for as much as he had not to pay, the Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children, and all that he had, everything he had. You imagine that. Now he has nothing. Well, how did he get what he had? He might have went in debt for it. And everything. You imagine being in that man's shoes. You imagine that. I have nothing. I have nothing. The servant, therefore, fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me. And I'll pay thee all. But you see, even in this man's prayer, there's no way he could pay all that debt. He's saying, have patience with me, and I'll, and I'll pay you all the debt. And here's the grace. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. That's grace. You know what that is? That's the gospel. The law says everybody ought to be sold. But here's grace, and the king had compassion. Corey, you don't have to be sold. Ben, you don't have to be sold. Melissa and Marie, you, you don't have to worry about it. And he loosed him, and he forgave him to debt. How could he forgive him to debt? He's king. He has the right. But can you can you you just picture it in your mind them standing there, whole family. You tell them it's that debt that Corey and his whole family, that debt Corey and and he brought on his whole family and it's forgiven. Loose him. If they had shackles on him, said take them off. He's forgiven. What wonderful words! Forgiven. Forgive us our debts. And when a man stands before God and sees himself, and you're talking about us coming before the throne of God, and we see ourselves in that state, I have nothing. I've sinned, God, I've sinned against you. He moved with compassion and loosed him and gave him, forgave him the debt. What do you think would have been the attitude of the man who was just forgiven? Don't you think he would have had a forgiving spirit? He should have had. 
But the same servant went out, and he found one of his fellow servants. So I, I read by that he found him. He went looking for him. Just his wife and I said, you, did, did, uh, what's his name ever pay you that money he owed you? You know, I don't think he did. I think I'll go collect that debt. And he went and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. <clears throat> and he laid hands on him, and he took him by the throat, choking him, saying, you pay me what you owe me. And his fellow servant fell down, as the other man did, at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I'll pay y'all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the whole debt. That just seems horrible, doesn't it? Grabbing him by the throat, choking him, said, I'll choke the life out of you. I, I'm going to get my money. I'm going to throw you in prison. How can, he, how can he pay the debt in prison? I don't work release. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry. And they came and told their Lord all that was done. And the Lord said, then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto them, O wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you desired me. You just desired me. You just asked me. And I forgave you. Shouldest thou not have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? The thing is, it's sobering. Do we forgive those who are indebted unto us? We want God to forgive us of our debt. But what about when somebody has offended us or some, we feel like somebody owes us something? They, they owe me an apology. We said, man, I'm going to make them suffer. I'm not talking to them. I'll let them know I'm not happy. And his Lord was wroth with him and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was done unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. Now who is to you? I'm talking to you and to us this morning. If you from your heart forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. He's not talking about his enemy. He's talking about his brother. And if you read it in the context, it's talking about how do you deal with a brother? How are we supposed to deal with each other in grace and mercy and in forgiveness? <coughs> Excuse me. Gil said the tormentors that he delivered him unto, to whom the unforgiving servant will de was, was delivered, will be a source of guilt to his mind. If you from your heart forgive not every brother their trespass. Now turn to Luke chapter 7. And I like this one. It's going to illustrate he that's been forgiven of much. Loveth much. 
to what we just read there in Matthew, that I don't know how much that would have been, but that, that first man, he was forgiven a great, great sum, a great debt. And son, the other guy who just owed him a small debt, he wasn't, he didn't show him any pity, compassion. If we're like the heathens, we become hard. We become unforgiving, fault-finding, critical. That's what it is. And now in Luke 7, verse 36, and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would come and eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus said it made at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of ointment. Now, she's not trying to earn forgiveness with this alabaster box. This is something that's very, pre- I mean, very precious. It's very costly because it's very rare. And she, she has saved a long time to buy this for one person. She didn't buy it to spend on herself. She bought it for him. And she stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. You know what? You know where you always find sinners? At the Lord's feet. This one's a sinner. She knows it. Lord, forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, he's calling the Lord this man. If he were a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him. She's a sinner. You know why he said that? Because he didn't think he was a sinner. And Jesus answering and said unto Simon, Simon didn't say it out loud, but our Lord knew his heart. I have somewhat to say to thee, and his master said, Say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. One owed him 500 pence and another one 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Similar, isn't it? Similar story. A creditor. Two people owning debt, one, one ten times more than the other one. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. You don't know it. It's paid. I want to ask you, don't you think about something? You just think for a minute what it cost the Son of God so you could have forgiveness. It cost the life of his darling son to put away sin. Without shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. And he's speaking to this man, and when he had nothing to pay, frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of those two men will love him most? And Simon answered and says, I suppose, now he supposed right, that he to whom he forgave most... And he said unto him, you have rightly judged. And he turned to the woman 
and said to Simon, he's looking at the woman, but he's speaking to Simon. You know what he said, Simon? You see this woman. What did all, all that Simon saw? All that Simon saw was a sinner. Some believe this could have been Mary Magdalene. It's no, no one knows exactly, so it really doesn't matter. But we know Mary Magdalene was a woman that had cast out seven demons. So she was a very wicked, vile, ungodly. She was probably nothing more than an old cheap whore. That's what she probably was. Would God show mercy to that sinner? Well, sure he would. And he did. Seest thou this woman? Do you see this woman? Do you see her? And can we see this woman this morning? She's watching. Seest thou this woman? I entered into your house. You didn't give me no water for my feet. He wouldn't even show our Lord the common courtesy of those days of washing his feet. You know why? He thought he was too good. He didn't know who was guest at his house. He was just kind of curious. Curious. But she's washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. They'd walk up and they'd kiss a person. That was their culture on the cheek. But this woman, since the time that I've come in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You know where Judas kissed him? Right on the cheek. As his equal. This woman kissing his feet. My head with oil you didn't anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. You know why she acted the way she did? She had been forgiven. She had been forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is to give forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Right in front of Simeon, thy sins are forgiven. And they that said it meet with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that can forgive sins? Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, My faith, my faith has saved thee, go in peace. How can, here's a question men don't have the answer to. Here's the, they don't know the answer. The heathen don't know the answer. How can this man, how can this man forgive sin? Can this man forgive sin? Well, sure he can. He, why did he come? To forgive sin, to put away sin, that the debt be paid. If you are a child of God and have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, he totally and completely paid all your debt. It's paid. It's paid. If you would win a fallen brother, show him forgiveness. Boy, that woman was so thankful. What's that song Jeff says? Something, if the whole world was mine, it would be a gift too small to try to repay the, the debt I owe. 
Oh, the dead I owe? Like I said, she brought it. And we know, and, and it could, might have been the same account, but it's when she, the woman with the alabaster box, she came in. And you know what Judas said? What a waste. What a waste. We could have taken this money and sold it and give to the poor. Then all the other disciples chimed right in. The Lord saw this woman's heart. What am I saying? People who are hard-hearted and critical don't understand forgiveness and grace. If they're going to forgive you, you've got to earn it. Got to earn it. Would we grow in grace, practice forgiveness? Would you be like God, forgive those who have offended you? Forgive and forgive and forgive. Forgive relentlessly, freely, and sincerely. Forgive us of our debts. As we forgive our debtors. Christ is here teaching us that he is a giving God. And what encouragement to us to look to him as a forgiving God is. He said, give us our bread, our daily bread. Then the next one, forgive us of our debts. Like I said, this is the only part of the prayer here that our Lord elaborates on. In Ephesians 4, turn with me there, for Ephesians 4.31. As you're turning, we could probably all speak and say, if we'd be honest, speak from experience and say, it is hard or if not impossible to pray when you have forgiveness and when you have unforgiveness in your heart towards someone. And here he is speak, he's speaking to us this morning. He's speaking to believers. He's not writing to the heathen. He said, let all bitterness... Bitterness is something that's been allowed to exist for a long time. You just don't want to deal with it. Or when you do deal with it, it just becomes bitter. <coughs> that all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted. That woman sitting at our Lord's feet, that was tenderhearted. Kissing his feet, tenderhearted. What's the opposite of a tender heart? Would it be a hard heart? Tenderhearted. Man's been broken. Man's been humbled. He sees who he is. He's the chiefest of sinners. What right do, what, what, what right do any of us have any right to criticize anyone? <laughs> Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And he tells us right there how God can forgive us. For Christ's sake. Is there any left of the house of Saul that I can show mercy to? Oh, yeah, there's one named uh, Mephibosheth, and he lives up there in Lodibar. He said, go get him. And he's scared to death, and he said, why would you look upon a dead dog like me? You know Why? Because I loved your daddy, Jonathan, and I'm going to forgive you. 
and you're going to sit at my table for Jonathan's sake. I'm going to forgive you, Kurt, for Christ's sake. You're going to sit at my table, feast at my table, because I've forgiven you for my son's sake, for Christ's sake. When we hold unforgiveness in our hearts, our hearts become hard. A tender heart shows compassion. A tender heart shows pity. Pity. Then he says, lead us not into temptation. We know every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. God doesn't tempt any man to evil. You notice he says here again, lead us not into temptation. One of the first things someone said grace teaches us is to be unselfish. Lead us not into temptation. <laughs> Lord, keep me from temptation. If we are tempted, here we recognize it. This is why we say, Lord, lead us not into temptation. I don't know what we'd do if we were tempted. You know, I, I hope that I would show forgiveness. I hope that I would have a tender heart, but I don't know. Here's a good example. David, when he sinned, he said his moisture dried up for a year till God sent him a preacher. That's grace. God sent him a preacher. And he told him the story about a man who had one lamb. And instead of um, a man had a, one little lamb, and here's another man that had a whole flock of sheep. And he said he went and got that one man's lamb and took it. That, that lamb was like a little child to that family. The children just loved that little lamb. That rich man just slaughtered it for his own lust. David said, that man ought to die. And God spoke to David through a prophet, and he said, David, I'm talking about you. You're that man. You ought to die. You stole a man's wife. And he said, I've sinned. And God said, you're not going to die. I put, away, I put away that sin? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the word temptation means trials, afflictions, anything that tests our virtue. We're prone to wonder. As I just mentioned, David was tempted. Peter was tempted. Lot was tempted. Abraham was tempted. And our Lord was tempted. But he never sinned. As soon as he was baptized, he was driven of the Spirit into the wilderness and was tempted 40 days and 40 nights. What is he saying? What are we praying here? Lord, keep me from temptation. And keep me in the midst of temptation. You think about that. Not only keep you from temptation, but keep you keep you in the midst. An example, Joseph in Potiphar's, wife, Potiphar's house. She loathed her eyes upon Joseph. She was going to have him. She didn't care. She used to getting what she wanted. And Joseph would not lie with her. You know what he had to do? He ran. They still got thrown into prison because she lied on him. But he ran. You know what he did? He ran from the temptation.
Spurgeon used to describe it like this. There's enough dry embers in your, in your soul that all it takes is a little spark to set the house ablaze. We must have our Lord every hour, every day. In the book of Revelations, verse, chapter 3, verse 10, Because thou have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. You know, you could be, you could be tempted to just quit. You could be tempted to just give up. It's not just committing some horrible sin, but just say, I'm just, I'm just wore out. Just wore out. Kind of like David, 600 men, and they go after to try to get what was lost. And 200 men were so tired, they just couldn't go on. And they stayed. That was a temptation. The Lord kept them. David said, it's okay. <laughs> Lead me not into temptation. Those that endure unto the end shall be saved. You remember what our Lord told What did the Lord tell our disciples? Watch and pray that you enter not into what? Temptation. Our Lord knew what was coming. Peter says, oh, everybody else may deny, but I won't. <clears throat> and our Lord over there, he's sweating great drops of blood, praying in such agony, and his disciples are over there. They were tempted to go to sleep. And what did they do? They went to sleep. <clears throat> the Shulamite in Song of Solomon chapter 5, <clears throat> excuse me, she was tempted to lay in bed. Did she? And he got her up out of bed. That describes any one of us. David's just going up on his rooftop. A rooftop would have been his closet. Would have been where he could have, would just sit and just listen and meditate with God in his heart. The Lord is my shepherd. But just so happened across the courtyard was a woman taking a bath. Where he thought he was the safest, he was the most vulnerable. Watch and pray that you enter, enter not in temptation. The spirit is willing. Now listen the flesh is weak. That's what it said. Lord, Lord, protect me this day. You imagine going out into this world. You're like a lamb leading to the slaughter. In and of ourselves, we are no match for temptation. Then it says, deliver us from evil. Which actually can read, deliver us from the evil one. And as I thought about the context here, Lord, give us grace to deliver us from the evilness of unforgiveness. We'll say, well, that's a temptation to not forgive. Just a little voice whispers in your, you know what they said. You know, you don't, you don't want to forget it. I wish I could forget it. Our Lord 
will give us grace. This is what we're saying, Lord, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. Give us grace in times of trials. Remember this verse, 2 Corinthians 1.10, who delivered us from so great a death. He delivered us. And he doth deliver us. He hath delivered us. He is delivering us. And he shall, and we trust, we trust that he shall yet deliver us. And he will. One day he's going to deliver us from the very presence of sin. Lord, deliver me from myself. Deliver me. You know, when we don't, this just being honest, when we don't pray, I, I, I got this. That's what Peter said. I don't need to pray. I got this. It's all right. It ain't. I, I've got this. I can handle this. Everybody else may leave you, but I won't. Was that not a trial? The Lord left him to himself. Peter brought it upon himself. He began to cuss and to swear. I don't even know who he is. And what God did? God humbled him. And God taught him forgiveness. And here's what Peter said. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. You draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Mr. Pink said, thus the the family prayer, this is our prayer. It closes with a doxology of an inscription of that glory which is due unto God thereby teaching us that prayer and praise should always go together. Instead of the Pharisees saying, he prayed thus with himself, I thank you, I'm not like other men. I'm thankful God showed me mercy. For it's his kingdom, and it's his power, and it's his glory. You know, you know where his glory is at? It's kind of ironic how it finishes this way. His glory is in his goodness. I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. And whom I will, I'll harden. If you want to when he shows mercy, you know what the mercy seat is? You know why you have mercy? You know what, you know what the expression of mercy is? Forgiveness. You know how that can be a mercy seat? There's blood sprinkled on the mercy seat. Who kept the perfect law perfectly? Forgive him. Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who will lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Lord, protect Jeff today. Protect Corey. Protect, uh, protect you, every one of you. Protect you. Lead us not into temptation. Keep us, Lord.